As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. The Athletic. Elite footballers are facing the threat of injury and burnout in the ever-expanding football calendar. When even Arsenal's Bukayo Saka, who has played in the last 87 Premier League games, might miss a game, you know it's serious. Now this is worrying for Arsenal. Bukayo Saka has gone down. Pep Guardiola has suggested that a strike might be the only way players ensure they get the welfare they need. There is only one solution to change something, but maybe all the players decide for themselves. Stop. We have to change something. And after FIFA, UEFA and all the statements, they will maybe react. There are similar demands on other young stars like Vicinius Jr, Jude Bellingham and Kylian Mbappe playing much more than similar players of previous generations. Yet they continue to deliver on the world stage. It's cut out by Bellingham. Bellingham has help here from Vinicius Jr. He didn't need any help. Mbappe. So, what can be done to improve welfare and demands on players, and will they really need to take action and stop playing to be listened to? I'm Ayo Wakimulare. Welcome to the Athletic Football Podcast. Saka. All right, let's get into this one. Uh, joining me for this is Danny Donerkey, former head of medical services at Everton, working with managers such as Carlo Ancelotti and also Rafa Benitez. Also with me, journalist and former Arsenal midfielder Adrian Clark, and from the Athletic, Oli K as well. Look, Oli, this is a really interesting one, player welfare, and you've definitely written about it today. An article that's actually dropped on, on, on Saka. There are players who are elite. There are also players that would love to play Yet, there is still an emphasis on the welfare of players in general. The season just stretches almost all year round. Bukayo Saka, I think he had 19 days between his last match for us, for England in mid-June and his first day of pre-season training at Arsenal. Then, of course, there are tours and then there's just this relentless schedule. It's not every five days, it's every three days. And players are just playing again and again and again. And Saka has had an incredible injury-free record. But there's been this sort of growing fear, and it's definitely 
felt more than anything by Arsenal fans that he's at risk of an injury and and because he's playing so much. And the last three games, he's he's come off injured. Just adds up to this feeling that they are playing, and not just Bukayo Saka, but all players, and particularly the young players who are playing so much at such a young age. Finishes Junior, Rodrigo. Uh, Jude Bellingham, Saka, they are playing too much football. Yeah, and in the midst of all of this is someone like yourself, Danny. Make sure they stay relatively injury-free. Could you just explain what, what your job entailed then while you were at Everton under Carlo Ancelotti and also Rafa Benitez? Yeah, they weren't the only two. There was lots of other managers mm. as well, but um, it's a very complex role and it evolved a lot over the years. So when I started in football, there was literally me and maybe one physio and maybe one master and nothing else. And now... In a Premier League football club, you've got probably 30 staff within the performance department and you've got everything you can think of, nutritionists, chefs, physios, doctors, osteopaths, everything. So it's trying to manage all of that alongside managing the players and make sure you look after their welfare, which often gets forgotten, and then kind of manage the interaction between the manager, uh, the players, uh, the sporting director, and then the board. So it's a really complicated role. And... Thinking about the players' welfare, it doesn't always come top of the list. Adrian, you're nodding there and you should, you're thinking, goodness me, yeah, a lot of this rings true. I mean, as a player, are you thinking about your welfare or do you just want to be on that pitch playing? A happy footballer is a footballer that's playing games week in, week out. I think that that players that are, that are out of the side are very, very frustrated. Um, it's what you're paid to do, isn't it? And it's what you're trained to do. So... I think that there are two sides to it, for sure. Of course, players want to, to, to go and do their thing, but occasionally they, they might wish that they had more time for a breather. But I don't know. I, I, the way I sit on this is, uh, rather than pinpoint the managers for, for overplaying the players, why can't we look towards the authorities? You know, FIFA have just introduced a Club World Cup. You know, they've expanded the World Cup. The Champions League is going to be bigger next season. It's going to feature more games. We've seen the Euros grow in size. Um, yet, you know, they're allowed to, you know, they're, they're, they're the people running the game and they're, they're the ones bringing in more football and, and creating less rest for the players. It's very difficult for a manager to rest a quality player like Bakayo Saka, for example. This is a guy that scores and assists in most games. And, and managers, of course, are are judged on the results. They want to pick the best players as often as possible. So I, I sympathise with, with the managers here um, because you know they want to pick the best players and the best players want to play week in, week out. I, I would look towards the schedulers more than the managers, personally. Danny, is, is there anything in, in your job that entailed you saying, do you know what, I think... This lad, oh, I don't know how many more games he can play in the next couple of weeks. Should we maybe just rest him this weekend and maybe see if he can, you know, we've got some important games and we'll be looking at Saka, for instance. We've got Manchester City obviously coming this weekend, having a word to someone like Arteta and go, do you know what, Gaffer, I reckon let's, let's hit him up for this one so we can get him ready for Man City. Those conversations happen all the time. And obviously it depends on the culture in the club and the way the manager goes about his work, whether that's listened to or not. A lot of it relies on the data. It's not a science. So you can't say, oh, if he rests on Wednesday, then he won't get injured on Saturday. And quite often it's the, the opposite that's true. You know, I remember in my time we've rested players and then they played on Saturday and they kind of lose their rhythm. 
and they there's they call it acute versus chronic load it's kind of common mm. sense if you get used to working at a certain level and then you drop off it or go above it then that impacts how you're likely of getting in, injured or not so it's a nice idea to think that you can rest a player and then he's not going to get injured but it doesn't always happen and you can suggest it to a manager and it will fall on deaf ears. And also, like, obviously, the manager is under big pressure to win every single game. And if Mikel loses a game on Sunday, that could set into, you know, like losing the next game. The next game, he's lost his job before you know it. So it's a lot of pressure. I'm so glad that you said that um, because that's that's my memory of, of when I was playing. I mean, you're going back a bit now and we, we certainly didn't have the, 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 the science available and the, and the nutrition and, and all of these people on hand to, to help us. But I felt like once I got going in a, as a regular in the first team, I wanted to keep going. And every time I had that little break, you felt like you were starting again, and I think your you, your muscles can can be affected. Or it certainly felt like like your muscles could be affected um, by coming out before then going back in. Can I just ask you about the the difference between young players and more senior players? Is is there a physiological issue there with younger players, or is it genuinely some players are just more robust than others? Yeah, I feel like uh, definitely there's some player, um, players are more robust than others. And and at the same time, you go through phases in your career and certain players in, the, in their younger years, they struggle more with injuries and then they come through it. And other players, it's the other end of the spectrum. As they get older, you know, as they get around 30, they start to pick up injuries. And once you get one injury, a big injury, you're more likely to get more. You know, whatever we do scientifically, that's an absolute fact. I think it's true for both. I, ju- I was just remembering, I worked with Marco Silva at Everton and he came in pre-season. He did the most ridiculous pre-season you've ever seen in your life. It was like, <laughs> you know, if there's recommended volumes of total distance and, and running that you do in pre-season, mm. it was probably four or five times the recommended volume. And we're all kind of going mad saying, oh, this is, this is a nightmare. It's, it's never going to work. And, and that season was the season where we had the fewest injuries. So the higher load at a consistent level prepared the players really well for that season. Mm-hmm. Whereas other managers, they, you know, they stick to the science and they go to a lower level and it doesn't make the players as robust for the games that they're going to play in. And Adrian, I was just thinking about your time here at, at Arsenal. Um, what was what were the methods? What were the methods for training? What was the workload for for you guys? Yeah, well, we didn't we didn't have much support staff. There was a physio, as an assistant physio towards the the back end. There was a masseur. Um, they used to send us to doctors at Harley Street. They didn't have people in house. You know, if you had an issue, you'd, you'd go down and see a specialist elsewhere. Had one club doctor. Um, no, we would train hard for a couple of hours each day, and and that would be it. I mean, it's very very different these days isn't it you've, you've got so much more you know there was no such thing as the, the ice baths and whatnot you didn't have that in the recovery no oxygen chambers you know there, there is there is so much more I think on hand for players these days to to, re- to recover properly in between matches so yeah look I, I, I do understand it I do understand that that certain players and why supporters would look at Bakayo Saka and say come on give give him a breather I also feel that Bakayo himself is is more than happy to be playing these games he's loving it he's he's in the prime of his career uh, and he doesn't want to be missing games I don't think any players do and on Saka by the way 
Um, last season, Gabriel played more minutes than Saka. Granit Xhaka played more minutes than Bukayo Saka. And Mark Gabriel Martinelli wasn't too far behind. It's, I feel that, that it's a topic among Arsenal fans because, because there's no backup in the squad for him. That's the issue. Mikel Arteta didn't sign a right winger. There's no there's no obvious cover. And and that, I think, is the great frustration among Gunners supporters and, and the reason why there's so much focus on, on Bukayo. Is it also because he's so young and because Arsenal have seen it with Jack Wilshere, which I, I know that you know, different mm-hmm. players, different bodies, it's it's far, there's far more, um, there's far more sports science impact than there was even 12 years ago. But is... I mean, we've seen it with a lot. A lot of the, the English players who have bur- who've sort of shone brightest in their early years, Michael Owen, uh, even Wayne, Wayne Rooney wasn't the same player in his late twenties as he was in his early twenties. Mm-hmm. A lot of the players who have played so much so young are the ones who have really sort of felt the effects of that later in their career, or have been felt to have or have been assumed to have felt the effects of that in, in, later in their careers. I was looking at the Bruno Fernandes. Um, stats and and um for this article um that we talked about on the athletic and he certainly wasn't playing 50 60 games 70 game season in his late teens early 20s that came in time rodri bernardo silva this has come in time with players once they've once they've joined sort of massively successful teams and broken into the national team later in their career harry kane wasn't playing an enormous amount of football in his early 20s. There has to be a risk that mm. what we're seeing from Bellingham and Saka and Vinicius and Mbappe and so on, all these great young players, they are playing so much more football at a young age than even someone like Wayne Rooney or Cristiano Ronaldo was at the same age. They're being It's so much more football. We all know it's the more intense football, longer seasons, smaller breaks. And although all the sports science is there now, that is only so useful if, if as, as as Danny was saying, the managers will often think, yeah, but sorry, we, we need to win the next game. And, and Mikel Arteta said, no fitness coach can tell me that a top player can't play 70 games a season. And I feel like that's sort of applying a one-size-fits-all approach where he's just dismissing the idea that Saka might, or Martinelli, or whoever might, suffer with burnout and it's not just Arteta it's not just Arsenal it's players across the board what do you think of that Danny I think there's some truth in what you're saying and when you talk about being challenged physically immediately what comes for me is that they're challenged mentally way more than any generation that has been Mm. challenged before and that's partly because they're playing a lot um, but also you know social media all the other things that are part of being a Premier League player now. But you mentioned Wayne Rooney. I knew Wayne when he was 16. He came into Everton and he played a lot of football. But I feel like probably so did Cristiano Ronaldo uh, at the same age. I don't know whether the fact that, that he played more more football, like it's more like the way he looked after himself. And I feel that players now, they've, they've got the science and, and they understand how to look after themselves better. You know, the idea of Mikel and the managers and it's it's their responsibility to look after the players and each one is an individual. And I feel like it's a big responsibility that the managers have because, as Adrian said, players always want to play and because there's pressure within the, within the group, within the culture to play, a player's never going to say, oh, I feel tired or I don't want to play. 
So often managers use that power to get them to play and they'll say, oh, how do you feel? And the players always say, I feel great. And they'll play them. <laughs> so the best managers that I've worked with, and I would, I would class Carlo Ancelotti, David Moyes, Steve Bruce, um, are the ones that really care about the players and more than themselves. And they care about the players and the team and the, and the long-term wellness of each of those players. Adrian, I was thinking of that because obviously we're like, oh, let's take the pressure off the managers for the time being. Any player will say they want to play if given the opportunity. I mean, it's slightly contrasting if you think about it. On one side, managers like Mikel Arteta are saying, oh, they're playing too many games. On the other side, they're saying, if you want to be a top player, you know, score 50 goals, you need to play 70-plus games. I mean, how do you manage that? Surely... You know, the gaffer's telling you or should be telling you, look, I know you're on a hot street right now, but I just need you to rest because I don't know how long this is going to last for. And how would you have taken that? Yeah, it's yeah, you've just got to judge it on each case on its merits, haven't you? And yeah, you'd like to think that the managers do care about their players. I'm sure I'm sure most of them do some more than others. Um, I think players can accept it, can accept being rested and rotated on occasion. They just wouldn't like it just wouldn't like it too often and and I certainly don't think that players would would be in favor in favor of a cap I think a cap is is quite frankly a, a little bit of a silly idea um you don't know how many matches you're going to play in a season you don't know how far you're going to go in each competition Manchester United played far more cup games than than Arsenal did last last season for example you know, what, what if a player's getting, you're getting towards the business end of the season and a player's preaching, approaching their their cap of 50 or 55 games and you've suddenly got to leave them out of all the most important matches in the campaign. I just, I just don't think that that's workable and it, it wouldn't be popular with players either. And yeah, it's, I, I, I do, I absolutely take Ollie's point. I, I think that this generation, are, are, a lot of, is being asked of them mentally, physically as well. But you know that's that's the gig, isn't it? That's the job right now. That's that's the way it is, and maybe the peak of players is going to come down to it to a younger age. We, we see as 25, 26, 27, 28 as the peak of of a player's career, but maybe moving forward for the elite players, that is going to be younger. And I don't know. It, it doesn't sound like that's a great thing, um, but it's the reality of of the scheduling. And I go back to that point, you know, that because of the TV, because of the money, the powers that be are the ones behind this. It's not the managers. The managers haven't asked for expanded Champions Leagues, expanded Club World Cups. It's the governing bodies that we should be, you know, having a pop at here. This episode is supported by FX's Welcome to Wrexham. Celebrity owners Rob McElhenney and Ryan Reynolds' small-town Welsh football club has finally been promoted into League Two after 15 seasons in the National League. Dedicated staff and supporters celebrate the team's return to glory while bracing for the newfound challenges that come with being in a higher league. Will Wrexham AFC stand up to the challenge and rise again into League One? FX is welcome to Wrexham. All new Thursdays on FX. Stream on Hulu. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard it right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask me. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. 
Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You're listening to the Athletic Football Podcast with Io Akinwalere. Pep was talking about a possible player strike and, and that being maybe the, the resolution for the players to stand up against it. It would only be that that 2% that would go on strike. Everyone else wants to play, yeah. Everyone else is, is thinking... I want, I want more games. You know, for every Bukayo Saka, there's four or five players that that feel like they're not getting enough football as as a professional. So, why you know, a universal strike is never going to happen. But but maybe if a, if if Bellingham, Saka, and these guys got together and 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 said Look, enough is enough, maybe they're the ones to make a stand. I don't know what the answer is because if the people in charge of football want more football. We're going to get more football. <laughs> but then doesn't the conversation around squad rotation then come into play, really? Um, you look at a player that's been used a lot. Let's let's focus on Saka. You know, it's played so many games, played the last 87 Premier League games. Trust your players, trust your squad. Of course. And, and yeah, I think that you could level a certain amount of criticism at Mikel Arteta for not taking Saka off in more matches, for leaving him on when he's clearly been knocked around from pillar to post during a game. He's someone that gets kicked an awful lot, isn't he? So yeah, I think he could maybe have managed it a little bit more carefully, but he's he's paid as a manager to win games. And, you know, you saw what happened to Arsenal the other night when Bukayo Saka went off and Fabio Vieira came on. Arsenal were significantly weaker for it down that side. Um, Yeah, it it, it is a difficult situation. Uh, I think you've got to manage it on a player-by-player basis. He knows that Bukayo Saka is robust. He knows he can handle a lot of football. He knows that he thrives. Has it affected his form? Let's ask ourselves that question. Five goals, five assists. Is Bukayo Saka suffering through too much football? No, he's not. Um, But if a manager sees that a player's form is dipping because they're playing too much football. Of course, it's their responsibility. And and of course, they will act because they'll see, well, he looks ti- He looks tired. His performances are jaded. I bring him out. That, that's how a manager looks at it. And to be honest, that's how a player would look at it. If, if their form is jaded, they might, it's be very rare, but they might go and say, Gaffer, I need a rest. I don't think, you know, in my experience, that would happen too often. They might need to be told. But but that that is a scenario where you rest and rotate in my opinion. You know, the idea that Mikel's used Saka incorrectly. Like, Saka's played for, for over a whole season internationally for Arsenal and everything and not been injured once. So he's been doing something right. Um, because not that, many bad games unusual. in there either, Danny. You know? Exactly. <laughs> and, and um, you know, an injury is part of the game. I mean, if there's this idea that you're never going to get injured as a footballer, it's completely false and untrue. 
So again, you know, I've seen players who've played four or five games a season and, and been injured in every one of them because they're not they're not able, they're not robust enough to live up mm. to it and they've not had the volume to get used to it. I think, you know, for managers it's really difficult and I, I don't I don't particularly agree that, you know, he's, he's misused Saka. Danny, what, what about, you just touched on it there, the, the international setup. You know, um, at the time of recording this, we don't know whether or not Saka's going to be playing in the next couple of England's international games, uh, let alone whether he's going to play uh, against Manchester City. But how, how much fear is there from the medical staff at a club when a player does go into international duty? And, and, and how much communication do you have with that? team the England team for instance or the Colombian team or, or whatever you know well it's good examples you use because with the England team you have really good communication with the Colombian team not so good <laughs> um but I think the like there's, there's a, a lot of conflict actually between the club and the international team because obviously the national international team want the players because they need to win their games and the clubs have got their own vested interests they want the players to rest when they're away um, so there's conflict often between the managers. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, when you're talking about the difference between international players and non-international players, there's, there's a big gulf. You know, um, players who don't play internationally, they probably get a few days off, maybe even a week off during the international break. Whereas Tim Cahill is flying to Australia, playing in Australia, playing in Thailand, flying back and then playing the next day. That was 10 years ago or more. And Tim, because he was so robust and was used to that, he didn't he didn't have any more injuries than players who were just playing for, for Everton. Yeah, Danny, can I just ask you about training? Um, because I, I'm always hearing management <laughs> managers say, I want my players to train like they play. You know, I want high-intensity sessions. I'll be honest, when I played, I, I didn't really do that. And a lot of my my peers didn't. It was Like, I loved it. I loved it. But I, I just wanted to keep something in, in reserve. But but that was just, that was maybe just me. If we're talking about reducing the workload, shouldn't it really be around training during the week rather than the matches, which, of course, are the... The, the moments that really matter. That's what the players are getting paid the big bucks for. They're not getting paid to, to work work their socks off on a Tuesday or a Wednesday, are they? So how much pushback is there from managers or how much understanding is there from managers around maybe reducing the load in training rather than games? I think it's a lot better now and for Champions League teams, for example, because they're playing every three days. You hardly do any training. You're just doing really recovery after the game and then preparing for the next game and in terms of physical load you don't do a lot most of the physical load is happening in pre-season blocks like i said that prepares the players well i know it's important that players have an intensity in training but it's not um it's nothing like it used to be and i think managers and, and because of sports science and, and the, the load they're well used to it now. I don't think the training is an issue. Thinking about American sports, I know they're different in terms of load, but basketball players play every couple of days. It's similar. And, and baseball players play every day for the whole season. They play 162 games. And I know physically it's not the same, but psychologically there's a, there's a, huge, there's a huge load on that as well. You know, but... I feel like what you've been saying about the scheduling, the authorities, they're the ones that have to make the difference. And then people at different levels, like Pep as a manager, I think he's got more power to do, uh, to make changes than the players. So it's his responsibility really to make those changes. Danny, something I'm really key on that you've spoken about is, is you've spoken about psychology. There is actually psychological welfare does play a massive part in injuries, especially when players 
don't play often uh, or when players are injured. Um, that how well do clubs deal with that psychological welfare of the player? Because you said, you know, often if you, yeah, your psychology is not quite great or you're feeling not that great, there's a chance that you're actually prone to, to more injury. Yeah, I, I don't feel like they'll deal with it well at all, actually, to be honest. I feel in football, psychology and the psychologists, it's still really stigmatised. And, you know, you don't want to be seen as the one going to see the psychologist because you're seen as weak. Uh, whereas in other sports like Olympic sports and rugby, it's just part of their culture. I think there's a huge, uh, a huge area for improvement for football in, in that way. But, you know, they're, they're way behind other sports and I don't know how it's going to change. Because, you know, everybody speaks about mental well-being and mental health and, and looking after that. But I feel that the harsh reality in football is that it doesn't happen. But the other thing is, quite often when I see players in, in the off-season, I'll see them in Dubai doing a training camp. Mm. So, you know, before they'd have four weeks off and you probably have two weeks rest and then you do like a little bit of work. Whereas now it feels like they can never switch off. They never switch off physically, they never switch off mentally. So you, you can't even control what the player is doing away from the training ground. And that, it's, that adds in another layer of complexity. Danny, is that, is that not a lot to do with just how intense it is at that top level? You know, you, you slip up from where you were last season. I remember Declan Rice coming to Arsenal and saying the extra work he's having to do to get up to level with, with, with Arsenal to justify his fee on one side, but also show that he's worthy to be an Arsenal player. How hard is it? Because a couple of bad games and we talk about Mikel Arteta being ruthless. You, you might not make that squad. Well, yeah, it's pressure. There's pressure everywhere. But the question is, like, when, when does the player ever get to switch off and ever get to relax? And the, and the answer is never. And uh, it, it can't be a good thing because talking about burnout, you know, physical burnout, mental burnout, it's inevitable. Um, but it's just the way it is now. And, you know, people are on Instagram showing, like, if you see Ronaldo doing it, then all the other players want to do it. And they feel like that if they're not doing it, they're not doing enough. So it's, it's a whole societal thing. Adrian? Yeah, no, I agree completely with, with everything that we've sort of sum, summed up there. Yeah, I, w- I wouldn't disagree with a word of it. I think, yeah, look, managers with the five substitutions now in games, they could, maybe they can take make better use of that and, and, and rest and rotate players during the second halves of games, particularly if, you know, if they've got a nice, nice healthy advantage. But really, it does boil down to the, to the governing bodies of football. They have a responsibility to the players especially to the elite players, the best of the best, to not burn them out. And and I think that they have to try to find a better way um, to reduce matches rather than expand. You know, think less money, you know, more about the welfare of these guys. It might take, it might take this elite 2% to stand up against it uh, because I don't think it's an issue for, for, for the rest of uh, professional footballers. Um, if they are desperately unhappy, if they fear that their careers are going to be curtailed or cut, you know cut short because they're going to be burnt out physically or mentally, then then we may come to a point where they stand up against it. And when you know when the world's best players voice their opinions against the governing bodies, maybe just maybe they might they might act. So looking into the crystal ball, that could be the way to change things. Adrian, Ollie, Danny, thank you so much for your time on this. And do not forget, you can sign up to The Athletic today for just £1 a month for 12 months at theathletic.com forward slash football pod. Thank you all for listening.
been listening to the Athletic Football Podcast. The producers were Adonis Pratsides and Guy Clark, with additional production by Mike Stavro and Jay Beale. The executive producer was A.D. Moorhead. The Athletic.